Hello and welcome to episode 503 of Fergie on the Freak. I'm the Boston Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always as the Glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. Uh, look at us, all dressed up in our tuxedos for the big night, the night of nights. And our almost pants. Yeah, well, you know, we go with jorts for our special occasions. Absolutely. Because um, we're, you know, we're at the cutting edge of this sort of thing. And tonight we're going to announce the best player in rugby league for 2023. Yes. Now, please, everyone, sit down, relax. We've now got 57 minutes of shit music from people you've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, we don't do it like the NRL, hey? No, we just say, right, everyone, sit down, shut up, grab a sausage roll. This shit ain't going to take long. Exactly. Okay, let's go through this. So what we're going to do is we're going to announce the awards. There's only five of them. We don't, you don't need heaps of awards when they mean something. No, no. This, and isn't, this isn't one of those primary school races where everyone gets a fucking award so no one has their feelings hurt. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Either you're good um, enough or you're shit. That's how we go. 100%. Now, these awards have been going for many, many years. Um, they're called the King of Rugby League Awards. I started them on my website in the early 2000s. Um, and I basically wanted to name the best player in the world every year and hope that it would be a snapshot of who the best player actually was in the world as opposed to some other awards that are out there. And I think it's done a, a pretty good job of that. And then a couple of years ago, me and Andrew sat down and we we retroactively handed out awards back to 1992, um, which is when we both felt comfortable naming the best players in the world going back. So this will be the uh, 2023 awards. The first award is the biggest story of 2023, and it was really hard to go past the Panthers becoming the first three-time champions since the 1980s. Um, becoming the best team of the modern era, like, and it kind of been undisputed now. So that's the biggest story of 2023. Yeah, I mean, the the only team to have done this in the salary cap era mm-hmm. without having cheated that we know of so far. True, true. Yeah. Um, now, the representative player of the year was the hardest award to give. Me and Andrew just talked about it just then. Uh, yes. There were there was a lot of inconsistencies in the rep scene, even Origin and the international games. Um, but the the one player that really I kind of leaned towards was Edwin Apape from PNG. So he's the representative player of the year for 2023. And can um, I say he must have mm-hmm. very narrowly picked Harry Mulligan from Netherlands because the uh, the Netherlands fullback played all five internationals this year for the Netherlands. Four tries and 27 goals for 70 points. It was even the top point scorer. That's awesome. But, uh, look, Pape was insanely good. Pape, Pape was great. Like he just, there was a couple of games where he was just tearing up the opposition and it was, that stood out for me. Um, the only other ones that really stood out for me, uh, Thomas Burgess did, but as I said to you before we recorded, I, I think I was focusing a lot on, only a few good runs he did at, at points in the game. And there were just a lot of inconsistent players at, at rep level this year. So, yeah, Ipape, I thought that he deserved it. Um, the team of the year, it's, I mean, how can you not pick Penrith? 
Um, what they did this year was just, it took them from being a very, very good team to being a legendary team. Um, it capped off by that comeback in the grand final, which was like watching a supernatural event of some sort. I'm, so, I'm going to ask a genuinely serious question about that try yeah. that Cleary scored. Yeah. Do you think that will become a more replayed try for Panthers fans than Royce's second try? Uh, it probably will just because of its, it's availability important. and people knowing, about, like the, the age group. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Well, that Royce try, man, that, the thing about that Roycey try, it was... It was kind of weird. Like when when Guy ran onto that ball and he's kind of got through everyone all of a sudden, it was like, oh my God, what's going on? And then. Well, it, it's basically the fact that you've got a pro. Well, he wasn't a prop at the time, I think he was a second rower, mm. MG. But a second rower and a hooker hanging out on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> at, at near full time. And it was like just such an unexpected thing with all of it happening. And then Roycey gets the try and I mean it was his last game and I a lot of people probably don't remember is that it was it was really big that it was his last game it was I, I don't know if it was because it hadn't happened for a long time or something but it was a a big he, part of that match he scored two tries in the grand final he'd never done it before in his career yeah and, and yeah. a lot of people think of him as a captain in that game but he wasn't it was Brandy that was that's right he was so Royce was the club captain, but he wasn't the first grade captain. Mm, mm. And he had been under pressure to keep his spot for the year. Yeah. Because I believe Ben Alexander was coming through as the hooker. So he was playing a bit of games uh, off the bench. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, like, man, they're, t- they're two nice tries. The other one that <laughs> gets me is uh, when um, Luke Pritis went down the blind side and put Luke Rooney in for a try against the Roosters. That was... I think the thing about that is that nobody in that stadium knew that was on except Luke Prittis and Luke Rooney. <laughs> so I, I love that try too. Um, so, yeah, and basically any time that uh, Crichton touched the ball in the grand final, just pick one, you know, any of them. So, uh, yeah. Rookie of the year. Mm. This, this was between two very good young players, two young dudes with big big careers ahead of them. Obviously, Buller for the Tigers was very, very good. But I, and I know it's going to sound like a homer pick, but I picked uh, Sanai Taruva for the Panthers on the wing. And, you know, he probably was going to get a game or two in first grade this year. But because of injury, he ended up playing the entire season. He got targeted every single game because no one wanted to kick it to To'o. And he was, you could see he really worked well under the high ball leading up to his first grade debut or his first grade debut season and just was fantastic. Like he was just really rock solid, didn't really put a foot wrong, scored a lot of crucial tries this year. Um, also did a lot of work. Like if Toto wasn't on the other side of the field, you'd be like, wow, you, this winger, he gets through a lot of work, doesn't he? Um, and then he played really well in the test matches too. He uh, scored a game winning try for Fiji. Uh, I believe that might have been against, was the Cook Islands or PNG? I can't quite remember. But yeah, so I picked him and it was 
it was a case of like consistency and really high level consistency as well out of him. So um, that's why I went with him. Yes, and the fact he was winning games helps. It does. It does. And look, he a nice situation to go into. Let's face it. He he walks into the premiership winning team. Yeah. And I think the thing that he didn't put a foot wrong. That was the other thing too. Like it would have been really easy for him to be out of his depth or anything. And he just slotted right in and, and just looked fantastic for the entire year. Now the big one, the King of Rugby League award, the best player in the world. This one, it, this might've been one of the easiest years ever. It's Nathan Cleary. It's pretty hard to go past that. Yeah, it is. It's, I think there will be people, though, that will still bring up his performances on the rep arena. And to be fair, that there is something to that. I wouldn't put him in the whole Mitchell Pierce category because Mitchell Pierce no. just, he did not perform no. ever at the rep level. He was just a genuine, you know, good NRL grade player. But Cleary is a rep player. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, He's been unfortunate with the rep teams he's been in that they've been either in transition or they've been victims of very woeful selection processes. Yeah, um, or bad coaching. Like yeah, so if he can get get into a solid, um, well-trained, um, properly selected side of players in form in position, you will start to see him performing um, that elite level you see at club level Mm. on the rep stage, and it'll put everyone, everyone's doubts to bed because he will perform there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You can't play for 79 minutes in a grand final and pull out the match-winning fucking try on the biggest stage in front of everyone by being shit. Yeah, and I think that one of the <clears> things <throat> about his, his performances, especially origin level, because he, he won the World Cup last year, um, I, th- I think, the days of, like with Fit Lagon, you'd hope that the days of, you know, getting the best halfback in the game and dictating that he has to play like a robot and opposite side of the field from his half's partner and all this silly shit are over and they just hand him the keys and say, well, you're the halfback, you know, do yes. do, do what you do. <laughs> and can I just say, mm-hmm. quite surprisingly, just if you, as you announced that, I looked mm-hmm. on Twitter right now, it says, trending in Australia, Cleary. Oh, what's it say about him? Just as he's trending. It's probably people finding out. There's been a leak of the Some, awards. Yeah, well, somehow they've heard this podcast. Yeah. We haven't even released the thing yet. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he's the he's the player of the year. That makes it three in a row for him. Um. Last year was really difficult, and he probably just got it. I've, I've got um, to ask you, and I know you'll have to go through your, your – uh, Archives there. Is he yep. the first player to do it three in a row? No, he's not. Um, Greg Inglis did it three in a row. Yep. Uh, and, and I believe Andrew Johns did it too. Hang on. No, Andrew Johns didn't do it three in a row. So it was him and Greg Inglis, because I'm looking through it right now. Um, Andrew Johns has won it more than anyone else. So Tedesco's won it tw- twice in a row. There's a few players that have won it twice in a row. Yep. But yeah, Greg Inglis is the only other one that I can see. Billy Slater won it twice in a row. Um, 
Andrew Johns twice in a row there. Andrew Johns twice in a row on two separate occasions. So, yeah, so he's one of only two players to have win, won it three times in a row. So um, that's how you know this is a prestigious award. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Not even well, an immortal can match Cleary on this one. <laughs> Let well, that jo- sink in. Joey's first award, let me see. So Brad Fittler won it a few times as well. Andrew Johns won it first in 1998. And then uh, his last time winning it was in 2005. So that's a, it's a pretty big, you know, difference yeah. between. Um, and that year, coincidentally, Greg Inglis was the rookie of the year in 2005. So, um, so yeah. Matty Bowen's won it once. Um Benji? Yeah, Benji won it. Benji won it in See. 2010. See, that's um, how we know that you don't hate the West Tigers. Yeah, yeah. There's no need. Um, <laughs> let me see. In, so in 2005, the team of the year was the West Tigers, and Andrew Johns won the the big award for the King Rugby League. Greg, Greg Inglis was the rookie of the year. Rep player of the year was Andrew Johns, and the biggest story was New Zealand beat Australia to win the 2005 Tri Series. Yes, and, and that that one with Andrew Johns' Origin return because that was crazy. That Origin return, he played one of his best games ever in that that return to Origin. Definitely. So, so yeah. Well, there we go. We've we've wrapped that up pretty quick. Yeah, we're not. We don't drag it out for two hours. Because no, no one wants that. <laughs> That's all right. They just want the bloody. They just want all the spoilers. Exactly. Exactly. We give you the spoilers here on Fergus. That's what we do. Well, I mean, that is the most important part of this podcast, aren't? Um, yes. Yes. That's why we put it at the front, so you don't have to listen to the rest of the shit. Because <laughs> well, they do. Um, we well, of course we do. But you know, we'll, we'll go in hard, not hard solo hard, but we'll go in hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um. West Tigers have been busy in the news. Yeah, it's not like them to make a lot of noise and not actually be doing anything, but today... Especially, especially in the off-season. Yeah, I know. Well, that's when they have their best times, when the football's not being played. Um, the news come out today that it's been reported that they're willing to offer Jerome Luai of the Penrith Panthers at least $1.1 million a year for on a four-year deal, which is way, way more than the Panthers were willing to offer. Um, on a per-season basis. And I believe the Panthers were only offering a two-year deal as well. Yeah. Um, I did hear reports that the Tigers had actually offered higher than that. Uh, yeah, it seemed like it was at, so at the higher maybe, end at one point. So maybe they're, now, maybe they're now bidding against themselves to put the price up even higher for no reason. Well, the, the Panthers' offer was reported to be 850000 which is a pretty good offer. Um, <laughs> but at the probably the lowest scale of a good offer, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I think that offers around a million bucks are probably his market value. One point one million would I mean there wouldn't be too many that would be earning more than him. Maybe Cleary. Uh, I don't know if Talmalolo on the on the. You know, because he signed that 10-year deal for a million bucks a year, but my guess is it's probably aligned a little bit to salary cap increases, so he might be on a little bit bit more. But, I mean, 
Look, the crazy thing here, okay, is this has got nothing to do with Luai's ability, okay? Mm. The Tigers need forwards, Mm -hmm. okay? Their biggest problem for their eternity is defense. And they've never built themselves a, like, top five quality defensive pack. They've gone close in 2010 2010-2011, they went close to doing it then. They weren't exactly a feared defensive unit, but that was the best they ever got to being a strong defensive side. Mm-hmm. 2005, they weren't even that good defensively. No. Um, so what you need, obviously, when you're struggling to be a good defensive side, is good quality level forwards that are consistent in their skill level the whole way through. So one comes off, another one comes on. You don't lose anything. Two be- two best port- forward packs in the whole league, Penrith and Brisbane. Yeah. The rotation is superb. The depth is great. Mm-hmm. Good mix of uh, youth and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the talk is that in order for them to free up enough space to get Luai on this huge deal, they're going to have to um, release David Klemmer. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting that they're in talks to do a swap deal with the Storm, where the Storm will pick up second row Sean Bloor and the Tigers will pick up centre Justin Olam. So uh, yeah. in those two decisions alone, the Tigers are losing forwards and not picking any up. Yeah. Now, I had a bit of a look before, okay, because someone said that the Tigers have plenty of forward depth. Who said and that? A Tigers fan. <sighs> and I said, here's a list of the Tigers forwards that have, you know, for 2024, who've played at least 50 NRL games. John Bateman, David Klemmer, Appy Corrish, Alex Twell, Stefano Utigamanu. Um Sean Bloor and Alex Safer are the next most, and they've got just over 40 games each. Mm-hmm. If you take Clemmer and Bloor out of there, you're then left with one, <laughs> one two, three, four, four, four forwards. That's not including the hooker, who have played at least 50 NRL games. Yeah, and they've got plenty of depth. So there is no point. And this is not a criticism of Lua at all. Okay, he's obviously late, and he obviously deserves the money the Tigers have thrown at him. Mm-hmm. There's no point signing him if the club does not have the for him to do what he does that justifies him getting a million dollars a year. Because you know yeah. he's going to turn up, he's going to be on that side that's going to be constantly on the back foot, and every, the first thing that's going to happen every game the Tigers lose because their forwards cannot set a good platform and cannot be good defenders is. Well, why are we paying Lloyd all this fucking money for? He's not even helping us win games. And that is the dumb shit that goes on, and that's why they should not be looking at signing million-dollar players to play in the backs or doing trade deals where we swap up a, a young, potentially genuinely good forward for an ageing centre who's been out of form at Melbourne. We shouldn't be yeah. doing this. We should be trying to build our forward pack and work... Work our backs around what we've got in the forwards. We've got to try and fix the defense and then work the attack off the back of that. You can't go the other way around. 
Yeah, and I mean the the other thing I would look at is how many times in the last twenty years has a club gone, and I mean a club that's near the bottom of the ladder, have they gone out and paid, you know, the the top dollar for a star from another club, and it's actually been a really good move. Like the only player I can think of where it's actually worked is maybe Greg Inglis. Um, you know, Jonathan Thurston went up to the Cowboys, but that was, he was a young player that was looking for an opportunity. It wasn't like he was a huge dollar move. Um, Callan Pong is one that comes to mind where he went to a poor club and, you know, whether you can say that was a, a, a good move or not is up for debate. But I can't think of too many real times where a club that's been near the bottom of the ladder has spent all that money and it, it's worked out. I mean, I think you look at the Bulldogs as a great example. They've spent, you know, four million bucks on a on a bunch of players, most of them from Penrith, and they come, you know, near the bottom of the ladder again. You you kind of the way to build a team isn't just to splash a million bucks on a player, it's to put in the hard yards and the and the effort and, you know, bring your juniors through and it takes time. Um so, yeah, I, I don't know about it. Like, and this isn't about Luai, as you say, he, his quality is unquestioned at this point. But in, in terms of what the Tigers need, they, I dare, dare I say, they need a five year plan. Well, I did find an article mm-hmm. from, from 2019, mm-hmm. not quite five years ago, but it will be soon. Mm hmm. I didn't. I didn't copy all of it. Just the important bit at the start. Okay. New West Tigers chairman, Cap, uh, Mr. Hat, Chairman Lee, says that there are no excuses for the club not to break its finals drought, and he hopes Latrell Mitchell will be part of the team when it happens. Chairman Lee had already been actively involved in the Tigers at the principal of its major sponsor, and now the joint venture outfit can further tap into his legal and commercial acumen. Chairman Lee believes he has taken up the role at an opportune time, pointing to the club's financial stability. (laughs) Hold your sniggers. (laughs) Plans to open a centre of excellence by 2021. Well, there's the tick. And the fact that Tigers have a $1.7 million war chest to spend on players for next season. What did they spend it on in 20... Like... I've got three questions. Yeah. Right. It says he, they've got no excuses for the club not to break its final strout. Yeah. All they've done since then is they've got further and further mm-hmm. and further away from finals footy. And yeah. I mean that literally. Not I'm not just saying that as a repetition thing. The latter position has got further and further away from being in the finals over the three years since then. Mm-hmm. And all they've come up with is excuses. Yes. So they had no excuses for the club not to break that drought. Um, yeah. No excuses why Latrell Mitchell wouldn't be there. The Tigers withdrew the offer to Latrell Mitchell. <laughs> well, when this this news came out today about Jerome Luai, um, one of the things in the article that was from News Limited, they said it hasn't been signed off by the board. And it, they made it sound like Benji Marshall made the offer himself, uh, which makes me wonder who the fuck is running things. Um, Robbie Farrer? I don't know. I don't know because, like, I feel I feel like the only answer to that question is to make a joke. Because yeah, 
I don't think anyone knows the actual answer to that question. It, look, the coach should be the one having the ultimate say. But would you, no matter who the absolute phenomenal great player was that the club had, mm. would you be giving them ultimate say over who you who, who you signed to the club based on the fact that they've had zero games coaching experience in their entire history? So you very, go, you know what? How's it about we get someone to just be your training wheels? just for a year or so before you start, you know, throwing throwing offers around willy-nilly. The club can't really say that, though, because they throw offers around willy-nilly to everybody. I also also think the idea that, like, you sit down with the player and his manager and say, yeah, 1.1 million? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I'm going to have to try and sort that out with the board now. (laughs) Like, it just seems a little bit... uh, If this is what's happened, it seems really unprofessional and would be a real red flag i would suggest to every single player and like if we're if this is what's happened with luai does this happen with every other player and that's why they can't get anyone i know a lot of people have got this impression that players and i may have said this before in a a podcast episode in the past there's a lot of people out there that think that pretty much all players sign deals purely because they're after the money Mm. and no but let's let's look beyond the feeble amounts of money that an NRL player gets and look at something like Formula One, where there's a lot of drivers that are earning several million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And you watch them race every – you watch Max Verstappen. He won the bloody world title like three months ago, yeah. and yet he's still out there and he is still mag keen to win every fucking race. He doesn't need to anymore. Yeah. So it's not about the money. The money is a – a side benefit. It's the cherry on top for a lot of for a lot of athletes in any sport, any profession. It's the competition that they're there for. It's the winning of games. And it takes a very special, unique human to put you know, on field success and the money aside and go, I'm gonna go to a club because I want to help out that club who is always shit. I want them to be better. That takes a huge amount of balls and a lot of bravery for a player to do that and to be committed to it. And we're seeing Appy Coruscant giving it a red-hot crack at the moment. It's noble beyond belief. But would he, very few players are built that way. Would Appy Coruscant be doing that, though, if the Panthers had a higher amount of money they could have paid him than the West Tigers? That's the thing. We, we don't know. Yeah. But we can we can assume that based on the quality of his performances this year, Oh, he was outstanding. Yeah. That that he is one hundred percent committed to winning games as much as he can and helping the club out as much as he can. He even moved a halfback for a few games to help him out. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, um I think he would probably move more so because he thought, I've got my success and I don't want to get in the way of a young player coming through or stopping the club from signing another player. We've seen it. We've heard it before. I mean, Farah and and Benji themselves, during the absolute peaks when they could have been earning close to a million dollars a year, took pay cuts in order to keep their core squad together in the hope that it would keep the team together and they would be able to get that second premiership. That's what they did. Instead of getting money for themselves, they put that aside to try and get that success again. And it's... They're not the only ones. Players everywhere have done this, taking pay cuts to keep squads together and things like that. 
that just goes on and on and all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Panthers players did that too. Like Cleary, if he walked in tomorrow and said, I want two million bucks, they just have to pay it, you know. He didn't do that. He he signed a really, really reasonable deal. I think it was $1.2 million, something like that, um, which is worth more then. And, and you look at the likes of James Fisher-Harris, Isaiah O, To'o, like – so many of these players have, have taken less at the Panthers to, and not a huge amount less, but enough. Not They haven't taken the top deal they could have got elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, to, to sort of keep it together. And, and, look, Jerome Luai, I think the thing is here that it is a lot it is a lot of a difference compared to the West Tigers deal. And, you know, the, but the other thing to factor in is that if Jerome Luai retired tomorrow, he's a three-time premiership winner in the best team in the modern era. Like, the, these players that the Panthers have had, they don't need to achieve anymore at club level, so they can look at the money. And that that's all that's all right. Like, if he went to the West Tigers, I wouldn't begrudge him at all because, like, well, how, <laughs> what more do you want them to achieve at the club, you know? Well, that's all right. I think um, the the one thing that um, he will have to be mindful of is when you come from a club that, especially in the time that he's been there, only knows how to win mm. and going to a club that only knows how to lose. Yeah. And having a fan base that is largely very fucking sick of losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you throw in the fact that he's, quite outspoken on social media. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things he said before and gloating about how much success he's had, that sort of stuff, that will be blown back up in his face immediately. And it's not going to be because of anything he does right or wrong. Yeah. And just because be he's immediate. joining a team that's shit. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I wonder about is like, and look, you win one, if you win a premiership, you've won a premiership. You've got that forever, you know? Yeah. Um. But I wonder what it was like for the likes of, you know, Api Corosau, uh, Matty Burton, Kickow and the like, when they've been watching this Panthers team go on to do what they did this year. Um, you know, and it's the difference between one premiership, two premierships or three premierships. Um, I, I wonder what it felt like. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before when you d- don't feel bad for them. <laughs> oh god no. Like they they watched they watched them grand finals and were like, Oh, it would have been nice to be there in very big houses with nice cars and pools and shit, you know. And and, and a premiership so, ring or two on their fingers. Yeah, and they've already yeah, got a premiership ring. So um I think Coruscant wouldn't have minded so much because he is in his thirties. Yeah, true. But I think for for Burton it would hurt. I would um, think there'd be some level it would hurt, hey. Yeah, because he's young. I mean, he's got a full career ahead of him. Kickout would be, yeah, I think he'd be okay with it. But I, I don't know. Like you think of Kickout Burton a little bit. Kickout to the point where it's going to make him bad. Yeah, yeah. But Kickout's year this year was basically a write-off. Like he was injured, and then yeah. he gets back into the team. Their season's already over by then, and they it was just they terrible, terrible into the year for the Bulldogs. Um, and he didn't really get a chance to have any impact on the season for them either. And it's just a bit of a waste of a year for a dude that, 
like last year was unbelievable, just incredible player. Um, and as, as you say with Burton, like, and, and there's actually was talk today coming out about there were supposed rumours that he was going to be moved from five eighth into um, the centres for the Bulldogs. And he come out and said, no, I want to be a five eight. I don't know where the rumours started. Phil Gold. But, um, the yeah, that, that was what was out in the media today. And I just I wonder what it's like for him to think, like, you know, he could be a young 5'8 with three premierships and probably would have still been the, in the origin teams and all that sort of stuff. And it's, instead, he's going to be very well paid, so don't feel sorry for him. But, you know, his last couple of seasons is just nothing. Doesn't really amount to anything. It's an it's the balance. It's what you've got to weigh up at the end of the day, and it's easier to weigh it up when you've got a premiership ring. Exactly right. Now uh, we might as well just put all of the um, Tiger shit posting together here. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> I, I did a, I, I did a bit of research into the to the, uh, the the West Tigers statistics and their history. Did you find some positives? Um, one. Ah, oh, nice. Quite literally. Oh, in nice. Every sense of the word. Excellent. So, a few years ago, I was doing these things called cumulative graphs, and mm-hmm. with these, what I did is I took the margin for each game and created a total where I added it to their overall history margin. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for the Tigers, um, their career, their entire history. The highest that their cumulative margin got was after their second game in the year 2000. <laughs> nice. That's what when was they it? Picked plus one. So they were plus one in 2000. Yep, round two, 2000. That's when they okay. peaked, and it's been negative ever since. Because <laughs> in round one, they had a draw with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And in round two, they had a one-point win. Then after that, all negative. Um. So I did the chart for the West Tigers. Okay. It's fucking atrocious. So mm-hmm. up until about 2012, 2013, it plateaus. Yeah. There's a few ups and downs along the way, but it's basically plateaued through there after a shitty first three years. Mm-hmm. And then it was a steady downhill run for the next 10 or so years. And then the last two and a half years, it's starting to turn into a very much more dramatic cliff. Yeah, um, you would you wouldn't want to fall off that cliff if you're a mountain climber. No, no, no. It's it's pretty horrific. So I then did one for the for the magpies, mm-hmm. and it's pretty crazy how from say 1980 onwards, the West Magpies graph is almost a carbon copy of the West Tigers one from 2012, 2013 till now. Yeah, like crazy, like eerie. Yeah. <laughs> Really similar. Now, I then went even further because I said the Tigers' total combined margin for all their games is currently minus 2,310 after 585 games. Mm-hmm. The West Magpies total in their entire – oh, the West Magpies total after the same number of games was minus 876. Mm-hmm. And that was covering the years 1908 to 1949. It's 42 mm-hmm. seasons that covered. Mm-hmm. The Tigers have been around for 25. All right. At the end of the West Magpies history, 
their total combined margin was minus 3,715. Mm-hmm. That's after 1,691 games. So, so at these rates, when the Tigers get to 1,691 games, noting that the Magpies were minus 3,715, the Tigers will be at minus 6,677. <laughs> wow. Which means they're close to almost being twice as bad as the West Magpies ever were. When I saw that graph that you put up, um, I I come to a conclusion, mm. and it it's not going to start till January first, but for the entire twelve months next year, I'm going to call them the West Magpies because that's what they are. I think that's fair. Yeah. Because on the flip side, Balmain, their points differential is in the positive and nearly always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said in previous episodes, made the finals in every decade. Yeah. And yeah. that's even if you include the decade going from 1900 to 1909, still made the finals mm-hmm. in that decade. And there was only two seasons. Yeah, it's so. it's it's pretty crazy. And like the dramatic fall off of the club over the last number of years is, it, it, I mean, it must be one of the worst ever. Um, but yeah. Western but, Suburbs Magpies, West Magpies, I'll call them, West Magpies. They, they are legitimately in free fall. Yeah, they are, yeah, and yeah. In every season, they talk about how, oh, it's going to be different this year, it's going to be different. So, yeah, the difference to last year was, last year wasn't as bad. Yeah. I think, and the other thing is too, like, we've talked many times about the last few Western Suburbs Magpies teams and how historically bad they were. And over the last couple of seasons, you know, this West Tigers team has equaled a lot of that. Um, And it's like, I I just can't see them being better next year either. Like, I think they're a worse team next year. Unless they manage to get Luai early. I like, I don't know. It's Can Luai play a prop? We've seen he can play both of the he can he had that game with again with Samoa in the World Cup where he was playing both of the halves positions and at one point started playing hooker as well at points, so he can do a lot of stuff. But prop might be a little bit beyond him. Bit a bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. He's tough enough to defend at prop, but it's the it's the go forward. It's the hit ups he might have a problem with. Uh, well, it's something we can work with. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's basically that stuff out of the way. The other thing is, um, I put out my suggestions on what the Tigers should be wearing as their jumper for their 25th year. Yep. Cause for the last, I can't remember how long they've been using this, um, very simple V design. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's not, it doesn't come across as being she look or anything like that, but I figured 25 years. How's about we celebrate Balmain and Wes and go back to the designs that they wore in 1908, which is the hoops design. Yeah. Plus, it just looks so much better with black, white, and orange, that yeah. hoops design. It, it looks so neat and tidy. It looks really cool. And, yeah, the club won't do it. No, that uh, But, I, I, yeah, I'm handballing a very easy marketing thing to them there. They can make that work because then you can have a, a Leichhardt jumper, which is predominantly orange, mm-hmm. and a Campbelltown one, which is mostly white. Beautiful. You you've got every side of the the ledger looked after there. Um, I mean, 
what more have I got to do for for Mister Hat to help him get his get you know get the sales up? Seems obvious, huh? Yeah. Uh, I had one more idea. Okay. Um, I'm thinking this year that I might buy a membership for a club other than the West Tigers. Ooh, have you got a club in mind? No, I haven't. I, I thought I'd put it out there for the fans. Now, you wouldn't want to buy a Storm one, would you? Um, not not really. Okay, I get that. Look, um, I'm, I'm not getting a big membership thing either because I, nah. I probably won't get to go to any games because I work on weekends. Yeah, yeah. But um, even if I do get one that might have some tickets in, I'm happy to, you know, give the tickets away. Oh, really? So I, it's more about which club should I give my money to, not just as a protest against the West Tigers, but mm-hmm. to show them that I do have money, but I'm choosing not to give it to them. You should buy platinum Penrith Panthers season <laughs> tickets, right? And just give them somebody that you know that, like, would go to all the games. Someone that lives close by? Yeah, yeah, someone that's a big Panthers fan. Um uh, now we know you, you wouldn't be buying a South membership. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm willing to do whatever I've got to do to get my point across. <laughs> Buy one of the South Dogs memberships. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be? What about um? You could buy a Dolphins one or a, or a, or a Warriors one, I guess. Does, does Mitch Moses have a membership option? Just a Mitch Moses membership. Yeah, just just a Mitch Moses one. <laughs> um, I don't know who who else could you? You don't want to buy a Canberra one. It's like Loserville. Um, you don't want to buy a a Dragons one because when eventually the inevitable happens, you don't want to be wrapped up in that. Well, it's also you know I I want to help make a point to try and yeah. improve the clubs that are going shit, and the Dragons don't want the support of random fans either because yeah, they need sure. to change what's going on at their club as well. You could, I guess you could buy a Sharks one. Oh, and this is already got one of those. Uh, okay, what about... What would be the worst one for the West Titans? It'd be Panthers uh, membership, wouldn't it? Like if, if you said... What would be... If you said to the West Tigers, I'm not buying a membership for you. I'm buying the worst one that's not you. Ooh. They'd probably say, oh, don't buy a Panthers one. Maybe Manly. Yeah. Always been struggling. Our halfback went there. Yep. Um, Pressure's off him now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give him a bit of a leg up. Yeah. Um, geez, I wonder if he'll be unleashed this year. Imagine if he killed it. Imagine if he just all of a sudden was like, just took control, just goes to Cherry Evans and says, listen, I got this all right. My team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got this old timer. You just sit over there. I'll give you the ball when you, when I want you to have it. By round six, Cherry Evans is playing New South Wales cup and they're starting to say they're <laughs> going to do a deal where they send him to the dolphins or something. <laughs> the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. The Tigers. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, look, well, I, that's actually, gonna be... I actually Sorry. don't think he'll play that badly. I know I've said it before. I think he'll be – I'm not going to say he's going to be great, but I think he'll probably have one of his better seasons. Not that he's had many good ones. But he'll have one of his better seasons in 2024. Because I think he should, he should have always been a six. I said it at the time when Moses was still there that 
Brooks should have been six and Moses a seven because Moses looked like a genuine organizer and Brooks didn't look like he knew how to talk. Like any language. I think I think that he will not be playing first grade by round ten. <laughs> I think they will persevere with him because I reckon they've probably paid him more than enough to justify having him in first grade. He, but here's what I think, right? I don't think he'll be in first grade by round 10. I think that Schuster will take the 5-8th role. Jerry Evans ain't going anywhere. They've got Jake Arthur who will be, I think he will end up on the bench coming on as a hooker and then a possible halves, you know, because you could put Schuster into the background stuff. And I think Seabold is going to be coaching a shitty club because for some reason they keep on signing shitty players from the West Tigers. And he's going to be like, I can't persevere with this shit. I'm going to have to send him back to, you know, New South Wales Cup. And, and he'll be out playing at Blacktown for Blacktown City or whoever the fuck it is. Because they, they don't have their own New South Wales Cup team. No, they, they Blacktown Works or something. Blacktown Workers, that's it, yeah. So he'll be playing at fucking something. It's Laybutt Stadium or something. I can't remember what it's called. but um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's how it's going to work. Because I, I, I was out on Brooks a couple of years ago, like hard out. I will never come back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Because I remember <laughs> having this conversation with you at the time going, yeah, he's, skill set wise. I was with you for a bit. Yeah. And then I wasn't. <laughs> I still stand by that, though. Skill set-wise, he does have the skills to be an NRL player. But it's not just the skills. That makes up 50% of your job, especially yeah. when you're a halfback. The other 50% is communication and running plays, and he's got none of that. None like, of it. Not even a semblance of understanding any of it. it it's like <laughs> it, it's like he's uh, gone to his first ever um, class to learn how to speak Spanish. Mm. And he's looking at everyone like they're aliens. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty. How much. am I supposed to figure this out? And instead of actually listening to them and doing as he's told, he's just standing in the corner, like looking at the floor and kicking the carpet and stuff and wondering why it's not working. Why is this not seeping in? Mm-hmm. I won't say anything. <laughs> I'll just go cook a barbecue. That'll make me feel better. Just be quiet. Yeah, just fucking whip a barbecue. Um, <coughs> speaking of dumb shit... <laughs> The Rugby Football League has announced overnight the uh, new venue that they're going to to spread the word and take... Oh, can I guess? Magic Weekend. Their baby Magic Weekend. IMG said we should get rid of Magic Weekend. The the Rugby Football League said, no, we're keeping it. It's a great promotional tool. Guess where it is, Andrew? Berlin. Think closer to home. Uh, Paris? Think closer to home. Uh, Edinburgh? Think closer to home. London? Think closer to home. Uh, Salford? <laughs> Think closer to home. Oh, no. It's in, uh, okay. fucking, okay. it's in like, Leeds. Oh, no. It's in Leeds. They're going to hold it at the historic Elland Road. Which is, and I say historic because they've got the same sort of seating that they've got at Leichhardt Oval, benches. Um, <laughs> Do you have to walk for a mile from a bus station or a train station to get there? Well, people were describing it and saying that it was basically on an industrial state. Yeah, estate. There's, there's no car parking there from memory. Yeah. 
yeah. So it's kind of, of like it's kind of like Leichhardt Oval, but slightly newer. Pretty much. Pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's everything. It's fucking Stonehenge is newer than Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, it has better seating. It, it does. It does. Has way better seating actually. <laughs> why? Why have they chosen Ellen Road? That's a very good question. I don't know. I wonder if it's because they think it's cheaper. It will be nice to give the people of Leeds a taste of rugby league football, though. I've heard a lot of people are already booking their holidays in accordance. They're not going well, fucking Magic Weekend. They're going elsewhere. Are they going to go to... Oh, I mean, where would, where would you go? Would you go to would you go to Leeds for the weekend, or would you sort of pop out to uh, I don't know Hunslet maybe? Get out near the water. Go and check out Sheffield. Sheffield. Oh man, why wouldn't you? Um, Leeds is the only city I've ever been in where I put in like tourist attractions in Leeds, and there was it was like a coal mining fucking <laughs> museum. Isn't no, wasn't there an, an armory or something there? I don't know. Like, there's just nothing there. I'm sure there was something like that. I remember going to Leeds and there was something like a an armory or some sort of museum like that. And then there was um, Audi. <laughs> an Audi. <laughs> Probably 15 Nandos as well. Yeah, the Royal Armouries Museum. I'm just, I've, I've decided to look it up on the map. And it's, yeah, the Royal Armouries Museum is near the. Uh, Near the river. There's a river in Leeds, is there? Yeah, river. What is it? River Ale or something? Air? River Air. Yeah, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> it's just a fucking hole. But They've got a Leeds Discovery Centre. Yeah, because everyone's still looking oh, for something man, interesting. Check it out. They've got a Nike factory store. You can go and watch kids make shoes. Oh, nice. <laughs> um. So, yeah, everyone was pissed off about that overnight over in England. They were basically saying, look, just cancel it. Don't do it, you know. But the Rugby Football League, they've but they've really done a really good job with Rugby League in the last number of years. It's really dying quickly. So, I mean, where are they going to go from, from there? Well, I suggested Huddersfield. Well, I mean... You've got to. You do have to work your way towards Huddersfield, haven't you? You don't want to go there. You don't. Want to, you don't do your load all in one go. Well, Huddersfield. You've got to work towards Huddersfield. Huddersfield is literally next door, though. No. Like for us, Huddersfield would be in Leeds, but you know what they're like <laughs> over in England. They're like, it's oh, it's fifteen it's feet up the road. It's a completely different place. You need fifteen trains and a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was interesting news overnight out of England. The game is contracting maybe, even further over there. Maybe what they could do is go to, like, Batley. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the places I could remember that were around Huddersfield. Batley, Dewsbury, um, that's about Wake, it. Remember. Wakefield, Castleford. Oh, Wakefield's going to be further away. Yeah, I know, but, you know, you've got to have somewhere people know. You've got to go to all the great places in fucking Leeds. <laughs> You can go go to go to uh yeah go to Batley next year. Mm-hmm. Then twenty twenty, well not next year. Next year's Ellen Road. So twenty twenty five go to Batley. Twenty twenty six go to Dewsbury. Twenty twenty seven go to Fartown, which I think is just a piece of grass now. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, you can go to what is it? 
Gow Farm John Smith Stadium. <laughs> and then I don't know where you go after that. Maybe after that they can just play at Huddersfield train station. It's just very sad to see where the game in England, it's fucking dying really quickly, you know. Here's like an opportunity really to, to take it to, to Manchester, right? Mm-hmm. And base it there for a few years. Like well, you're still you're still on the north side, so you're still helping the locals who live around the area get to it without too much drama. Mm-hmm. But it's fucking Manchester. You know, well it doesn't have to be Manchester, but pick a big city yeah. that's not Leeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, like just I, Liverpool. You know, you've got a few Birmingham. You've got a few places there. Just go to one of those. Well, they, I mean, people t- tended to like they. People have liked going to Cardiff at times for the Challenge Cup final, especially, and they they didn't mind going to Newcastle. Um, you know, I mean, it, it would it be the worst thing in the world to go and play it at Wembley Stadium? I don't think it would be too bad, but uh yeah it's now got to the point where they're playing in fucking leads and you know it's just it's really sad to see where the game is over there it is it is on its ass they should go to rotterdam next year they could go anywhere they might as well just wrap it all up pretty pretty soon go over to netherlands at least the netherlands are playing a ton of football yeah um now while we're on the um, subject of shit mm-hmm. um Chronic job hopper, Nathan Brown, lost his gig at Parramatta during the week. I saw it out effective immediately. Yeah, uh, this he, boy couldn't hold down a job at Macca's. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he, uh, what was he? He was like the – he was something to do with player development, which is um, pretty funny. I believe his job was um, chief organiser of the crayons. <laughs> yeah, and he, he he broke one of them. It's um, good that he's not there anymore. It'll be good for the club. The guy they've, brought just, in, they've brought in Steve Georgialis as the uh, NRLW coach. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll be good Nathan Brown's gone because um, he's a loser, he's a terrible coach, and he, he kills clubs. He's also a bit of an asshole to players for some reason. No, 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 not, not to players, just his children. Well, blame <laughs> his daughter for leaving Newcastle, but, like, I mean, he slapped Trent Barrett, which I know was a long time ago, but then he had an issue with a player that left the... Hang on, hang on. Trent Barrett deserved it, though. Everyone's wanted to slap Trent Barrett at some point. That's right. So we can't hold that against him. Yeah. He's doing society a favour there. But he's had he's had issues with players and stuff, and he's just a drama queen. You just don't need that at the club. So it's good that Parramatta got rid of him. Um. Some other, I tell you, some other news. Young Matt Moylan is on his way to play for the Leeds, uh, the Lee Leopards. Yeah. Uh, they they said they'd signed him, a world class player. They said <laughs> so. They obviously haven't seen him play for a long time. If, if you saw the quote that they came out with, mm. you would swear that um, Justin Potato said it. Oh, really? Yeah, went to the wrong cat. Um, he will kill it over there. <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he. I think he will go over there and just. It'll be all of the worst things of Matt Moylan that we see, like just doesn't give a shit, doesn't put in, doesn't defend, probably gets injured. I think he'll be one of the worst signings ever. Yeah, look, I'm. I'm not sure he'll go that badly. Okay. Because have they lost? Did they lose Lachlan Lamb? Uh, I can't remember. Because, I mean, if they did, that's who he'd be replacing. Which is a bit of a worry, because he was a halfback. Yeah. 
It's always a rough one when you um, lose your halfback. Ben Reynolds was a five-eight, so he's going to be replacing one of those two. Well, he's—I I do. I think it'll be terrible. I think it'll be really bad for them. Well, I mean, that's good news for Toulouse then, because they might actually get promoted then. <laughs> as soon as the Lee Leopards, you know, get into the relegation zone. And what else has been there? going on in the World of Rugby League? I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, look, there was people that were making some jokes about all that because I think the London Broncos were not regarded as one of the top teams in the, the rating system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yet got promoted to Super League, so they're probably going to get relegated with, no matter what they do next year anyway. Did you see the news that the, <laughs> the London Broncos have uh, stopped funding all junior development? I did hear that, yes. Yeah. Now, I, I, I get it because all these teams are just fighting for survival at this point. Yeah. But it just shows where English Rugby League is. where, And it's funny because I saw people saying, oh, you know, th- all of these other clubs spend money on junior development. It's like, no, they don't spend money on junior development. They buy juniors from other clubs and they stockpile them. And if and you're they, smart in that system, that's what you would do. Exactly, exactly. Why, and I why said, would you like, spend, yeah. And I said, like, this isn't a, this isn't just the London Broncos making this decision. They're making it in the system, the Rugby Football League set up. And the fact that junior development was not part of the um, rating system was ridiculous from yes. the get-go. Yes. So, you know, I, I can't blame the London Broncos because they're just trying to make it and stay in Super League. But it just was a – it's just another sign of where English Rugby League is, really. Yeah, there was another thing I saw, which I wasn't aware of at the time, but apparently Castleford handled in the um, incorrect data to IMG, and that was why their rating was so low. Oh, really? Yeah, so, you know, get your numbers sorted out before you get relegated fucking permanently next time, Tigers. It's just it's just <coughs> something that they had at least a year to look at and gather the information for, and that really is key to their survival in Super League. Why wouldn't you just half-ass it? <laughs> Were they the team that chose to withhold crowd figures for like three months at a time? Was it them or was it, I thought it was someone else. I felt like it was someone else. Wasn't it Lee? It, it might have been. I can't remember. It was one of those bloody teams. Yeah, it was, it was stupid. It, yeah, some team that thought <clears throat> they were being clever doing it for some reason. Yeah. And all I did was make people go... Are you just fudging the numbers then? Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of people saying they really want the NRL to step in <laughs> and there's just like there's nothing to buy. No, the only way it's going to work is the NRL doesn't buy it. They're just given control of it. Yeah, for yeah, and they're not liable for anything. Yeah. Like that's the only way it happens. And I think that the NRL would be more likely to say, look, we would rather come over here, set up brand new clubs and just start with clean slate. Be just come in and just be a layer over the top of what you've got there and cuz there's there's nothing there to buy. There literally is nothing no. there to buy. I do want to say this though to the English fans that keep saying that the NRL should buy Super League and that is have you seen or heard any of how Peter Vlandis run stuff? especially mm-hmm. rugby league. Mm-hmm. He's kind of more of the same for you guys. He didn't make the NRL what it is now. 
he had very little to do with how the NRL is now. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, so he's not the guy to bring you forward and make you better. He just isn't. Um, some of the guys we've had previously, absolutely. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, but yeah, you, you, you do need someone who is, um, I'd say more business minded, but understands how rugby league works. Kind of like David Smith, but more understanding of what rugby league is because he had no idea. Yeah. And the, the, look, the problem with English rugby league is it, there's enough people that don't want there to be changes. There's yeah. enough people that are wrapped up in what rugby league was like in the fucking 60s where, and that's the vision that they have for the game and, and that's a dead game. And we're seeing it. We've watched it, you know. They don't want expansion. They they don't want they don't want anything. They want everything to stay as it is, and that's just dying. And that that's what they're going to get. That's going to happen, unfortunately. Yep. So, um, and yeah, I think two next year. And I said it before, they should be merging championship and league one. And any teams that aren't good enough to be in league one, um, cut them off, or make them feeders, or merge them, or whatever. But there's too many teams and too many games. If they want to start saving money and start building, they need to start making the, you know. Making the number of teams smaller, you don't mm. need this many, and start having fewer games where possible so that your players aren't being overstretched and getting injured, which therefore means you need more players. And when you've got more players in a lot of teams, it means you've got a weaker product. Yeah. It's just the way it is. I, I have a feeling you could, if you were the NRL, you could go over there, you could set up like a even an eight-team competition, say, hold it over winter like, and I'm talking about something that's not ideal here. A-team competition, hold it over winter. You know, you have a final. You draft players in from the current Super League clubs and maybe some fringe first graders from Australia that want to run over the off-season. And I think you would make more money with that silly, ramshackle, thrown-together, brand-new club competition than you would out of Super League. Yeah. I think, though, long-term... They will probably look at making Super League a bit bigger. And if they do, what they should do is say, right, we're going to limit ourselves to, I don't know, two teams from each region in the north. So two Yorkshire sides, two Lancashire sides, right? Mm. Instead of having three or four teams all within a tiny area, we're just going to have two, right? Mm-hmm. And just do that so that you're not spreading yourself you're not just having these big lumps of teams all along the M62, right? You can spread yourselves out, have different areas, and say, right, this is what we're going to lock in for the next five years, and then we'll reassess after that. And once you start getting a bit of <clears throat> consistency in the number of teams, and that breeds familiarity, and that's how you build your fan bases, especially with new people coming into the game, which the cl- the game desperately needs, is those new faces on the game. And new people put money in there. There's no point constantly jacking up prices and stuff because you're just picking the same pockets that you've been picking for years. Yeah, and those, so those pockets that they're, they're not paying for the game anymore. There's just not enough money there. No, and it's not fair on those fans who have been sitting there forking out coins for decades. Yeah, on this game, and this is how they get treated in the end. Is they're just getting this substandard product. So that's what they need to look at doing as a minimum, and then start 
branching out from there. Work from your base and work outwards from there. If you had to, if you had to put down eight clubs, brand new, in wherever you wanted, where would you put them? You'd go to the corners first. Work in the middle. You try and get something in Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Um, you want as many people that you possibly can in that very small area. Let's be honest. Getting involved in the game mm-hmm. because that small island, the British Isles and France, that 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 whole area would be smaller than Australia. Yeah. Oh, way smaller. Yeah. So if Australia can manage to do it with seventeen teams mm. and what? 25 million people? And how many people are in the British Isles in France? Yeah. Fuck loads yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to start being realistic. Stop whinging about shit and just go, you know what? The NRL does it with six, 17 teams over an area, area much, much bigger. Yeah. Why don't we have 16 teams cover all of the British Isles in France? You can have two teams in France. It can definitely handle that. Yep. One in Wales, one in Ireland, one in Scotland. Right. There's five teams already. The other 11 teams can come from around England. They don't all have to be in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, the, sorry, the northern part of, of uh, England. They can be all over England. But you still want to have your, your strong teams with the strong fan bases around the north because you work from that base. But, yeah, you start have, looking at having um, a team, in, I don't know, London North and London South or something like that, and you, you look at – Branching out wherever you can to all the major centres, Manchester, Birmingham, Newcastle, York, um, wherever you can. One team in all those major centres. You could probably get over two teams in Manchester if you want to. But, yeah, you you look at things like that. Try and find out where the money is, where the fan bases are, where the population is, where the stadium already is. You don't have to worry about sorting that shit out. And just set it in stone for like five, ten years, something like that, and just go, right, let's go with this. That, that to me would make more sense than whatever they're, they're working on now, which is it's a it's a steady version of more of the same, but with some more you know gentle changes. Yeah, and every, it, like everything's getting smaller, the, the crowds, the money coming in, the, like just everything's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and it's uh it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy, it's crazy to have watched that happen for so long, and. Like, even when the warning site, like the canary in the coal mine is like a corpse and has been for years. And they're still like, nah, nah, you just don't understand the game when you suggest things like that. Like the Salford Red Devils, right? They're having an issue with their stadium right now. And they they just want to secure being able to play at the stadium in Salford. And they can't do a deal with the council because the council keeps on holding up on it. And it's like, if they don't get this deal done, the the club is done. And it's like perfect opportunity for them. Perfect. You've got – Salford doesn't want you, right? The club is in a real bad position. You've got an opportunity there. And it's like this is the perfect chance to become fucking Manchester. Take the whole city. Take it all. And they don't want to do it. So it's like, all right, then. That's it's fine. Like- that stadium holds 12,000 people, and I don't think it's ever had 10,000 people in it for a game that South has played in. It was, and it was built for them. Yeah. And they, the council is fucking around because they, obviously there's so many other things going on in Salford, you know. But, yeah, it's it's like what 
the the biggest signs in the world can be there and they don't read the signs and that's why they're in the position they are now and you know <laughs> and they say oh we want the NRL to come in and save us and it's like there's nothing to save it's over yeah the biggest crowd I can see Salford 2012 Challenge Cup Warrington beat Huddersfield 33-6 to at Salford and they had 9,400 there Salford didn't even play in that game that's fucking hilarious Oh boy. Um, yeah. So there's a good reason to leave that stadium. It's too small. And the council don't want you there. So just go. Salford's it's, a, Salford's its own city, by the way. Do you know that? Um City is yeah, being yeah. very, very um slanderous. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a mega city metropolis. You go on Google Earth, right, and look at that area of the world and see how far you've got to zoom in before Salford's name turns up. Yeah, I've got to correct you there. It's not Google Earth. It's Google Salford. <laughs> Google Salford. Because Salford is so big, it's been decided by scientists that Earth is going to be renamed Salford. Might as well. Do the West Tigers <laughs> play there? <laughs> Mate, they're everywhere. <laughs> it's just cra- it's so crazy. I like I used to argue about this sort of stuff and say you should be playing, and I'm just start so over it now. I just don't care. It's just like ah, oh, that happened. <laughs> that went on. That yeah, that, yeah. They used to play rugby league in England, England but now they don't. That's those what, were the days. Yeah, yeah. As long <laughs> as we can help France when it all falls apart in England. We need to be able to step in and help France continue playing rugby league. I think that's important. Well, that, that, that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to raise with you. Jackson Hastings has had a bit of, uh, a bit of chat this week because he said that um, we should have player names and squad numbers for players on NRL jumpers. Yeah, I saw that. What a fucking stupid idea that is. <laughs> well, I'm not opposed to the names being on the jumper. Mm-hmm. But as I said to him, people are accustomed to, to in Australia, anyway, the number being aligned to the position, or even in England. You know, we always know seven is your halfback. Yes. So the biggest problem we're going to get is how many players are going to come in and they want number 23? Yeah. It, look, the number seven jersey does not belong to Jackson Hastings, you know? And we know that because he didn't play that much for Newcastle. Um, you know, Yeah, it's just bullshit. It's stupid. We had it in Super League and no one liked it. It was dumb. Yeah. Um, there were players who wanted to have um, 100. Yeah. They got told, no, it has to be a two-digit number. So you saw players running out with 99 on their back. It's just dumb. Why? People are just taking the piss. Yeah. Oh, it's a great marketing opportunity. No, it's not. It's not that great a marketing opportunity. I think if you had um, a set number on the back of a jumper for a player, it's not going to sell any more jumpers. No. Because you can go out and get anything you want printed on the back of a jumper. So what's what's the marketing thing? I don't get it. But name, names I get, I'm not opposed to that. 
Um, but by doing that, you're taking a, a place there where a sponsor is, and clubs won't be in for that because they want that space on there. It's a billboard. They've got to realise that. It's a billboard that pays for their fucking income. Exactly, yeah. And I think the other thing is too that people tend to – they're buying their club's jersey. They're they're not so much buying a a, a player's jersey, and the the people that say, "Oh, look at basketball," they forget the fact that there's five fucking players on a basketball court for your team at any one time, and in reality, there's maybe about seven at most on your club that is relevant, and there's only one or two jerseys on a club that really sell any any amount of jerseys. So. It's completely different to basketball. So, yeah, I think Jackson Hastings should just worry about trying to get on the field for the Knights next season. Or maybe pick up another contract with the Tigers. I hear if Luai doesn't come through, he might be able to pick up $1.1 million over there. It wouldn't shock me if they overpaid for someone like Jackson Hastings, hey? Again. Yeah. (laughs) Again. Well, uh, look, we're dismissing the Aiden Caesar era here, and that that's beneath us, Andrew. Yeah, we 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 don't normally do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the Aiden C. It's Aiden Caesar's world, and we just live in it. <laughs> it's Southard, and we. I wonder if we could make that title of the episode. Sorry, I, I you cut out there. What did you say? So it's Aiden Caesar's. Salford, and we're just living in it. <laughs> oh shit! But that's that's a perfect Caesar Salford. Caesar Salford, yeah, that's perfect. I'll I'll leave you to sort that out. You don't win friends with Salford. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, well, we've we've nailed all the important hot topics here. Yeah, it's um, been a, it's been a great episode once again. That's Nathan Cleary, the best player in the world, 2023. Yes, congratulations to all of the King of Rugby League Award winners. Yes. Um, most of you are from Penrith. Yes, they were. <laughs> Who didn't see that coming? <laughs> well, you know. No, no, it's, it's, I, I fully agree with all of them. How could you it's, not? It's difficult because, like... <sighs> oh, there's one more thing we need to talk about. Oh, what? Golden Boot Award. Oh, yeah, because they nominated everyone that's ever played footy. Yes. Yeah. It was the one thing we were talking about before the episode, and you were saying, save it. So I saved it and then forgot yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. They they uh, they basically they said who the – I think the players that they said were going to vote on it were like – there was Darren Lockyer, um, I think James Graham maybe. Um, who else? Um, Let me have a look. I'm just uh, doing a search for it now. Would it be on the International Rugby League website? Probably. Oh, what a fluke it is. Um, I think Adam Blair maybe was one. Oh, they've, got, they've got the criteria. Oh, no, it was Ruben Wiki, I think. Um, to recognise individual player performances and contribution in sanctioned rugby league international matches in a specified period. <laughs> To give additional weighting to performances in IRL global events such as the World Cup, um, candidates for consideration uphold the best values and integrity of rugby league. There'd be no restriction in respect of previous winners of the award. Huh? 
um, that the recipient is recognised by their peers as one of the world's leading current players. Right, well, they're the criteria. Now you know. Awesome. Don't come to me and tell me you don't know anymore. <laughs> they, they change it all the time, so. Yeah, it'll be different next week. Yeah. Um, no, nominees and judging panel for the 22 IRL. Yeah, so it's um, Darren Lockyer, Adrian Morley, Ruben Wiki, James Graham, and Adam Blair. So there you go. Two Poms, two Kiwis, and an Aussie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't want too much Australian influence in rugby league. I mean, we see where that's led the game. It's just the biggest rugby competition on planet Earth. Um, so did they have the – here we go. We've got the nominees. How many minutes have we got? Yeah. <laughs> um, Matty Ashton, John Bateman, Jerome Buller, Sua Falongo, James Fisher-Harris, Adam Fanil, Blake, Harry Grant, Payne Haas, Jerome Hughes, Edwin Apape, Tui Lewis, Eastern Masters, Ronaldo Molotalo, Cameron Murray, Charles Dickel-Clockstad, Harry Smith, Hamaso Tabuafadau, and Joey Tapain. So he's going to win? The, I think... As I said, I think they'll give it to a palm. John Bateman. I think they will. Oh. Imagine that. John Bateman could have it, and then that means that the West Tigers could say that they've got the best player in the world next year. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, yeah. That's a great story. I want that to happen. <laughs> it's uh... Not not during Buller, because he, he would have been a lot better for it. It's got to be Bateman. Wouldn't it be funny if all of the the players like they they put their all the judges they put their nominations in and then they just give it to John Bateman and then it comes out like somebody in the media asks everyone who they nominated and no one nominated John Bateman as the winger winner. <laughs> that would be great. That I'd would like, sum up that award so well. I'd like it if they all put in their nominations and every single person got the same number of votes. <laughs> <laughs> How come there's not a single player from the Netherlands there? Because the International Rugby League doesn't care about anybody that's not them. Won all five games. They've only lost one game since 2016. Exactly. Best International Rugby League team in the world. Highest winning percentage, you would think. Who who else would have a winning percentage like them? I don't know. I mean, you consider that it's only them and Germany who I believe have played um, at least one international match every year since 2016. There you go. That should count for something. But you, you know, know what, what they you know what they did in, in twenty twenty when there was uh no international matches other than Netherlands versus Germany? What? No golden boot. Yep. They I organized a, that game. And went, I, I gave a rep player of the year. Indeed you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's why you have more credibility than Chester Rugby League. One hundred percent that's not that's not difficult. <laughs> that's really fucking easy. <laughs> Oh boy. Um Yeah. It's gonna be fast school again, but yeah, I'll give it to a POM. Yeah. Cause I mean why not? Look at look if the whole the whole test series between England and Tonga was just a marketing exercise, it wasn't about sport, and so they might as well keep it going. Well I mean that was the only international football that was played. According to them, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well done, John Bateman. (laughs) If it's him, I'm going to go off my head. (laughs) Oh, that's even more reason for it to be (laughs) you. I fucking hate International Rugby League. 
I fucking dare ya. <laughs> I dare ya. Oh, please, international. You know, I'll send some emails. I dare. You know what would be funny? <laughs> it wouldn't even be the silliest English person that they've given the award to. It wouldn't even be in the top three silliest. Well, no, the last one. <laughs> Remember when they gave it to Tommy Mackinson in 2018? Yeah. That was so silly. That was... Hey, let, let's, let's play a bit of trivia. Can you name all of the Poms who have won the Golden Boot Award? Mackinson, Seinfeld. There's, there's been five. Morley. No, uh, not Morley. Hey? Not Morley. They didn't give it to more. No. Oh, no, I'm thinking, oh, no, Andy Farrell, I mean. Yes. Um, Hanley. Yes. And Andy Gregory? No. Uh, what's the, what's, 40, do you want a clue? Do you 40, want a clue? 49. 49. 49, they give it to him. <laughs> they gave it to 49. Yeah. In 1990. That it's doesn't. Not like, it's not like, you know. Wally Lewis wasn't playing. I know, right? It's just so <laughs> dumb. It's so fucking stupid. I can't believe people reference it still. Uh, and then they didn't bother with, with giving it out from 1991 to 1998. Yeah. Who cares? It just doesn't matter when it doesn't matter. Did they, they gave it to Cooper Cronk one year, I think. Uh, yeah, 2016. Yeah. When was Cooper Cronk ever the best player in the world? He wasn't even said, the best player on his fucking known team. Someone go and find me a highlights reel of all the great stuff he did in the football field. Exactly. <laughs> but there's probably one out there somewhere. Um, you know what has never happened, though? The what? Golden Boot Player of the Year has never been a prop. Uh, how many props have, have got the... Because King... all the ones who have got it have been playing. You might have gone to prop. Were second rows when they won it. Or locks. Well, yeah, well, like, I saw a lot of people saying James Fisher-Harris, and I just don't think he was the best player in international footy this year. No, you uh, can basically wipe out all of the front rowers from this list. Yeah. If they, if they name any. I'm just looking. I, look, so I Payne go, Haas is out. Yep. Fanua Blake's out. Fisher-Harris is out. You know who's not out? John Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> I dare them. I fucking dare them. Oh, come on. I don't on. think they've got the balls to do it, Andrew. Oh, if they could do Mackinson, they can do Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I named uh, Paul Gallen in 2011 the player of the year. Yeah. I, I shouldn't need to put an asterisk on that. Um, I'm just seeing if there's ever been a prop that's won my player of the year award outside of Gallen because he was playing prop that year. Uh, no, there isn't. The closest... Oh. The closest would be uh, Jason Tomalolo, but he's a lock. He won it one year, 2017. I just saw a note next to number 49. What? Retrospective award made in 2011. Get fucked. You're yeah. joking. Yeah. <laughs> so they named the 1990 God Boot Player of the Year award in 2011. I don't mind them going back and doing that, all right? Because you and me did that. But they for my award, right? But to give it to forty nine and not give it to like Wally Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Silly. Well it doesn't even have to be Wally Lewis, but there was I mean you can get rattle off the long list of players who were playing in nineteen ninety in Australia and New Zealand even who deserve that award. 
Hell, even Ellery Hanley in 1990 was better than Gary Schofield. Yes. Yes. I agree. But, you know. But it's uh, yeah. the comedy, the comedy show. It really is. I, I don't know why people reference it, because it, it doesn't mean anything. That's something to get the shits over, other than Juno's being dickheads. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go any further on that one. Um, all right, well, look, we'll wrap this one up. Thanks for uh, joining us on this uh, chat, everybody. Um, this gentle little hour and a half chat, almost. Uh, make sure you check us out on all the socials, and um, subscribe and like all the videos on YouTube, and we'll catch us all next time.